Welcome to the Strong Mamas Podcast, where we're talking about our fitness and food choices as moms in real life and in light of our faith as Christ followers. I'm your host, Megan Dahlman, and together we'll be exploring what it means to be a healthy, strong mama in the middle of a culture that's obsessed with vanity. This podcast is all about helping and equipping you to take better care of yourself and the ones you love. Hey guys, welcome back to the Strong Mamas podcast. I hope that you have had a ton of fun with Scott and I the last couple of weeks with our Mythbusters series. I heard from a bunch of you that we kind of rocked your world a little bit, or at least helped you to see things from a little bit of a different vantage point. I know you might have had some beliefs about exercise or nutrition that didn't have very solid footing to begin with, and breaking down the big myths helped you to see things clearer and have a little bit more confidence in what you do on a daily basis. This industry I know can be super confusing you guys and my hope really through all of this is that you gain some crystal clear focus to keep you moving in the right direction regardless of what everyone else is doing all around you. I say sometimes you got to just kind of put on your blinders and just keep your head down and move forward. Today, I'm going to fly solo with you. Scott's actually out wrangling the kids probably right now, but I just wanted to stop and just take a minute to give a shout out to him. He might listen to this or he might not, but either way, I have to say that God has blessed me with a pretty incredible guy in Scott. I didn't fully realize it when we got married 13 years ago. We were so young, you guys. You might have been in our same shoes where you got married pretty young. (laughs) And at the time, you're like, oh, yeah, we have it all together and we know exactly what we're doing. And we totally thought we did, but we didn't. We were kind of just flying by the seat of our pants. And I think we all still are in many ways. But I think as I have grown up and as Scott has grown up, I really I can honestly say that I love him more now than I ever did before. And he supports me steadily every day with all of my crazy adventures. Just the other day, I realized that I have been in business for myself for 10 years now. And if anybody knows or is related to an entrepreneur, you know that that's not an easy lifestyle. It is literally a roller coaster where one day is awesome the next day could be a nightmare. So I have to just give a shout out to him. He really is amazing, you guys. So it's been fun that you have been able to get to know him a little bit too on this show. So anyway, I just wanted to plop that down right there. And maybe that might encourage all of you wives that are listening to the show today to pause and recognize the great things about your guy. No, nobody's perfect. Scott's not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are. But just pump the brakes a little bit and try to not notice his faults today and really notice the good stuff about your guy and even say that out loud to him if you get a chance. Okay, enough of that. Now, before we dive into this idea that there's so much more to life than obsessing over workouts and food, I want to remind you real quick to take a couple seconds to go rate the show in iTunes or Stitcher All you have to do is tap on some stars, and if you have a real minute, leave a review too. I've been reading each and every review, you guys, and I'm so thrilled to see how this show is already having an impact on your life. 
I want to share one of the comments with you real quick. This is actually from Lolly in Korea, and she says, soul feeding truth. Megan is doing amazing work speaking truth in a dark world, especially for women and their self-image. I would recommend this podcast to not just moms, but to all women. It is very informative about your body and how it works. I am so thankful to have found this podcast. It has helped me navigate the tricky path of changing careers from an active one to a less active one and has given me wisdom on how to take care of my body and mind in that transition. Thank you, Megan. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much, Lolly. I really do believe that this show is more than just food and exercise tips for moms. Truly, truly, it's getting the true message out there about our bodies and the way God sees our bodies and getting this message to moms that are being held captive by their own insecurities and self-worth and maybe even just simply a lack of knowledge. So your ratings and reviews really do help propel this message more. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And thanks again, Lolly and Korea, for doing that too. Okay, now let's really dive into today's topic. And I want to talk with you about how there's so much more to life than getting healthy and fit. And I know that that might sound really funny coming from a fitness and nutrition professional like myself, someone that has basically made this career. I've made this my life. I have completely organized my life around exercise, around nutrition, and from someone who's on the inside, it is so important that we recognize that there is so much more to life than this. We can easily get stuck in an obsession cycle without realizing it especially when we want to make changes and see progress. Often I'll speak to people who have really low motivation or really like low levels of self-discipline. And that's, that's a tricky challenge in itself. But on the flip side, we have the other side of the coin where once you, for some of us, once we decide that we want to make some changes, sometimes we go so all in that we are obsessed without really realizing it. So, Obsession. I find that it's really helpful to look up the definition and I just do a quick Google search and type in obsession. What does obsession mean? And it's what it says. It's just an idea or thought that continually preoccupies or intrudes on a person's mind. Okay. And that was really just super random Google search obsession. And that was the very first line of definition that came up. And how true is that, right? It's an idea or thought that continually preoccupies or intrudes on our minds. And I think food for us is the obvious obsession. We can find ourselves thinking about food constantly. I mean, we kind of have to, right? We've got so many meals over the course of the day that we have to think about food. We have to make those decisions constantly. And sometimes that's where we fall apart is that we get that decision fatigue and we we're sick of making food decisions, but we can think about it constantly to the point that we're, we're constantly tracking everything. We might be food journaling all the time, measuring calories, measuring macronutrients. Maybe even we're thinking about certain foods as being bad or off limits foods. And sometimes we can even find ourselves panicking when we make a mistake and just feel like this overwhelming sense of guilt and shame, like, wow, that's going to take a long time for me to undo that. 
So with food, we can become really ultra focused to the point that it feels obsessive. Sometimes in the beginning, when you're learning new habits, it can feel like you're having to think about food and think about your habits a lot, which is not a terrible thing. But there does come a point when it tips over into obsession, where you are thinking about it too much and it's constantly preoccupying your mind and it's intruding on all of your thoughts. We get deceived into thinking that caring this much about our food and about what we eat and about exercise is healthy for us. We think that, well, because I'm so preoccupied with it, I'm being healthy. I'm taking care of my body. But you guys, it's not. This level of obsession can be deeply damaging to our souls. And I'm going to give you some examples of what this actually might look like, okay? So unfortunately, we start to see our worth and our value tied into our adherence to a plan. We feel valuable if we're doing everything perfectly. If we're checking off the boxes, we feel worthy if we're super ultra focused and doing everything right and if we're being a really good little rule follower that can make us feel like we've got our act together and if we deviate at all we get those feelings that we're a worthless failure and when you reach perfection on the plan then maybe we're worth something right we then we've proven ourselves. so our self-value is kind of in the balance here. Now, I see this attitude of obsession and constantly focusing on things and letting it preoccupy your thoughts. I see this attitude not just with food, but also with workouts. And I'm going to park mostly on workout obsession today because a few episodes ago, we talked about dieting and how dieting constantly can really lead to that all or nothing mentality, which is essentially you get obsessed about something, so you're all in, and then you're exhausted by it, and you go all out, and you lose that obsession or you lose that passion again. So definitely go back and listen to the Diet Schmiet episode, and I find that you'll you'll see that that's helpful for you. Today we're going to park a little bit more on getting obsessed with your workouts. Workout obsession is not as obvious as food obsession. I think if I were to put all of us in a room, more people would raise their hands that they're a little obsessed about food rather than a little obsessed about workouts. But workout obsession might be really obvious to your friends and family. It might just not be very obvious to us. I think we can hide behind the veil of, well, more is more. And I'm just getting so much stronger. So this is what workout obsession might look like. So here are some examples. You show up to every single class at the gym, especially preferring the ones that are the most intense. Okay, you try to hone in on those workout classes that say that they are the most intense classes. They're going to do the most for your body. You show up all the time. You do two-a-days. In other words, you'll do a workout early in the day and then you do another workout later and think that that was a lot of calories that I burned. I'm getting in such good shape. I'm super fit now that I'm doing two-a-days. You might be obsessed with working out if taking a day off from working out kind of gives you the shakes a little bit and not in just like a physical way, but like the mental shakes. If your day did not involve working out, you feel like a slacker. 
you average six, seven, or more workouts a week. It's interesting because scrolling through Pinterest, I know I always come back to that, but it is kind of a a social dichotomy right now is Pinterest. You can scroll through and a lot of people are posting like, I can't handle a day off from the gym. My life is the gym and I go every day or, you know, it's like, ooh, we do have a lot of people out there that are really ultra obsessed with working out and taking a day off. They can't handle it. It makes them feel like they're failing for a day if they take one off day. You might also have workout obsession if your workouts have no rhyme or reason and there's no steady progression or balance where you're balancing out light workouts with hard workouts. You're just showing up and doing all hard workouts. Basically, every time you step foot into your workout space, you go as hard as you can. Also, if you don't sweat hard during a workout or feel sore afterward, you kind of have that sense that the workout was worthless and you commit to yourself and promise yourself that you're going to work out harder next time because this time you didn't sweat or you didn't get sore afterward. Another sign of workout obsession is that you get careless. The idea of injury or damage to your body just doesn't really occur to you. You'll just deal with it when or if that happens. So you just kind of go hard, 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 just doing whatever with your body because it can do it, I guess. And you're not even concerned about your body, if it's actually going to break or if it can even handle that load. Another sign of workout obsession is that you track your calorie output And your workout is not completed until you hit a certain number. You got to hit that number. I know a lot of people, they'll wear a Fitbit and they'll do a workout and maybe the readout will say like 300 at the end and they'll think, man, that just wasn't quite enough. I was hoping to get 500. So they'll spend the next 20 minutes on the elliptical just to bang out 200 more calories. What are we doing here, folks? That's another sign of workout obsession. Another sign is that your life revolves around the gym. You don't work there, but you might as well. (laughs) You're not a fitness professional. You're not employed by the gym, but you are there as often as many of the people that do actually work there. It's another sign that you're probably obsessed. I think the final sign is that your relationships start to suffer. You choose workout time over time with your family and friends, and that is a big problem. So all of these signs are just clues of a level of obsession or just too much focus on something that's not as important as we think it is. (laughs) And I want to tell you that I have been here, friends. I know what this feels like. I was able to mask it underneath kind of this cloak of health and fitness. My story is that I used to run half marathons and full marathons even. And why did I do that? Because I could burn a ton of calories doing it, you guys. I really did like running at the time. It was very methodical for me and meditative. And I ran for years and years. And actually in high school was when I first started running. I wanted to get in shape for basketball and volleyball. But there was always another reason underneath it was that... When I would read fitness magazines, it always told me that was the best method of 
getting lean and losing fat. And so that's why I ran so much. And so I, it started to kind of snowball into longer and longer distances. And pretty soon I was training for and running full marathons. And I did like running. I really did. It was very therapeutic for me. And I think a lot of you runners out there would completely agree. There's nothing like just heading outside and going for a nice long run to kind of clear your mind, to feel that sweat and to go for it. But there was always the other side of the coin for me. I could look at my watch after a training run and see that I burned 1,300 calories after a three-hour run. And I felt this strange sort of accomplishment after exercising for three to four straight hours. And once I hit that number, any workout shorter than that felt kind of mediocre in my mind. I was obsessed, you guys. I was running almost every single day, and this was clouding my judgment. I'm not saying that if you are someone that runs every single day that you're obsessed with working out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's something in our minds that tips us to that point where we're doing it for the wrong reasons. My judgment was getting clouded. I started getting injured a lot. Every part of my body hurt. I was constantly in physical therapy. I had a high hamstring tendonitis. I had plantar fasciitis really bad. I had a hip flexor issue that I was just kind of managing and nothing was getting better. And I was just not really aware that maybe, Megan, you got to pull it back a little bit. It's too much. Also, my hormones were out of whack. I kind of stopped having my periods for a while. I was all over the place with my hormones that nothing was predictable My body was just floating in this unknown hormonal state. My food cravings were all over the place too. And then the other thing was I was really unable to shake off the extra pounds that I was desperate to lose. I was actually overweight a little bit. At that time of my life, I weighed 15, I think, pounds more than I do now. And I was desperate. Because I I knew I wasn't at my best or fittest self, but how could this be? Because I was like working out three or four hours at a time and then doing all this other extra stuff. I'm like, what is going on? So my body was so stressed, but somehow I was oddly proud of how healthy I was. And healthy, I put healthy kind of in air quotes because I thought I was healthy. I really thought I was. It was like, yeah, I'm training six days a week. And my body was the furthest thing from healthy. It wasn't healthy. It was kind of falling apart. I really had no clue. And I know there might be some of you listening to this that can't identify with this at all. Okay, maybe you can identify with food obsession, where you go through your day and food and your food choices are constantly weighing on your mind and you're sick of having to make food decisions, but they're always there. You're always thinking about the calories in your food or whether you're doing it right or the meal prep, the meal plan, that type of stuff. But workout obsession, you you have a hard time just getting one workout done, <laughs> let alone being super obsessed about it, that you're constantly living at the gym and doing more and more and more. But for some of you, this is striking a chord. You're immediately putting up your defenses, probably, and spewing your excuses for why you do work out so much. You love it, you know, or you're you're in the best shape of your life. Are you? Are you actually? Or are you kind of like how I was where my body was falling apart around me and I was constantly getting injured and in this completely fatigued state that I was blind to what my level of workout obsession was doing to my body. 
there is some, there might be something crying out inside of you that wants to feel free from this level of obsession. You want to know what it feels like to work out with some sense of purpose, to know how to be strong, but to not overdo it, to not go over that line and do too much, to be lean and really healthy, but also not to freak out when you have an off day. We all need to be at that point where we can enjoy a day off from working out and not be panicky the entire day thinking that, shoot, I should be doing something today that burns calories. And usually it comes down to that. (laughs) And I think for some of us, we just know that our reasons for working out are not completely pure. And you're crying out and ready to break free from that. So let's go back for a minute to that definition of obsession. That definition said, it's an idea or thought that continually preoccupies or intrudes on your mind. And I have to just say that when I first read that, that sounds eerily like the same thing as an idol. An idol is basically anything that steals your devotion, captivates your thoughts, and pulls your worship away from God. And usually it doesn't look anything like a little statue in the corner that you pray to. (laughs) Not at all. Usually it's something far less harmful than that, far more deceiving, and maybe not so obvious, okay? Let me read Exodus 20 to you. This is the Ten Commandments, okay? And I think we know it, but just as a a primer or, or just as a refresher on this particular commandment so that we have it locked in our brain. In Exodus 20, it says, you must not have any other God but me. And it's obviously God the Father that is saying this. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But... I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Okay, yes, he is a jealous God, you guys, but he's not harsh. He is so loving and lavish in his love. And I think we can see this generational issue in our own lives too. When we have someone in our family that is obsessed or places their worship on something other than God. It trickles down through the generations. If there's somebody that is obsessed worshiping money, usually that trickles down to the next generation. If someone is obsessed about their body and has that negative body image, usually that gets passed down to the children. So we know that the like he says the entire family is affected even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me so be careful you guys having some idol in your life where it's taking your devotion and your worship away from god is not harmless this has an impact that usually trickles down to your children and on and on also in galatians 4:8 it says formerly when you did not know god 
You were slaves to those who by nature are not God. In this passage, it's essentially saying, there was a time where you didn't know me. And during that time when you didn't know me, you were a slave to something that was basically an idol. You were a slave to something that didn't give you life and truth and happiness and joy. That's the idol that can be our bodies. That's the idol that can be working out constantly. That's the idol of food obsession, workout obsession. And by nature, this is not a God. This is not something worth worshiping. It can never, ever, ever satisfy you the way that God does. I know that for some of us, when we hear the recommendation to pull back, to reevaluate the level of workouts that we're doing, to take a step back and maybe reorganize our habits and our routine, we can panic a little bit. Especially if we're getting that tug like, man, I think I'm getting kind of obsessed here. I think I'm doing a little too much and my life is constantly oriented around this and I stress out if I can't get it done. If that's you, then yeah, we do need to reorganize things a little bit. I know that you get a little afraid that it might mean that you're going to lose your level of fitness. I know that for me back in the day when I was running so much, I remember When I stopped training, I used to think, man, I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to gain a bunch of weight and feel terrible in my body the moment I stop doing this amount of training. The moment I stop training 10 hours a week, 12 hours a week, and go down to like four or five hours a week, I'm going to lose it all. But let me ask you this. What if you don't lose it all? What if you actually gain more focus in your workouts and a little bit more purpose for why you're even showing up, okay? What if you get rid of the excessive stress on your body and you actually make a fitness breakthrough? And what if you finally find rest and peace in your soul and you finally understand what it means to be able to rest fully without that kind of tickle in the back of your mind that you're a little panicky that you're not doing something? What if you finally get that true sense of rest? So I want to give you a couple options for how to balance out your week and break your workout obsession. So once again, this is kind of focusing a little bit more on being obsessed with working out, having that all or nothing mentality surrounding working out. And food is a slightly different side of the coin, but this can really be applied to food as well. I want to show you how a good week of workouts should be balanced so that you can start to break this level of obsession that you might have with working out, okay? And you need to understand that this definitely provides enough work to help you make strides forward and it's enough rest and recovery so that every time you do work out, you can perform at 100%. And you're going to find a beautiful rhythm in this, one that provides focus and purpose for every single workout. So don't panic, okay? I think when we, a lot of us start a workout program, we're like, man, I've got to do six days a week. And I know there's actually a workout program out there that's called obsession. And we feel that unless we're obsessed and doing this stuff six days a week, it's not going to work. And I'm going to tell you, it does work if you take a more balanced approach. And this is what it is. Okay, here's what you need to know. First of all, now we're getting super practical here, you guys, okay? First of all, I want you to make sure that you have at least one 
preferably two full rest days every week. On these days, I don't want you to do more than just walking, light stretching, maybe some foam rolling or like light housework on these days. So just kind of your activities of daily living. So one or two complete rest days a week. Your body needs that. Take the other five or six days and choose three of them to be your hardest workouts, okay? These days can be running or strength training. So if you're someone who is training for running, like you're training for a marathon, three of these days can be your running days. But if that's not your goal, I recommend that these three days are good, solid, heavy strength training days. They should have load. They should have a little bit more intensity for your body. These workouts should be no longer than one hour and 20 minutes max, okay? So don't go longer than that. If it's strength training, these are your heaviest loads and your highest intensities. If it's running, these are your longest or your fastest runs. Okay, so three days a week. So, so far we've got two off days, one or two completely off days a week, and then we've got three really hard, heavy, strong days. If you're training for a half or a full marathon, you can shift the bulk of the load into just one workout and it can be your longest run of the week, and then the other hard days need to be a lot shorter than that. So it doesn't make sense to be training for a marathon and try to cap off your training runs at an hour and 20 minutes. What you can do is shift that to one long training day or one long training run and make the other two much, much shorter, okay? So now we have two or three workout days left to plan for, right? So these workouts should be light to moderate intensity. If you're strength training, these need to be body weight workouts or very, very light loads, okay? You cannot walk into the gym and lift crazy heavy total body every single day, right? So these other two or three workouts a week need to be light loads or no loads at all. Remember, your heavy loads are on your heavy days. They're on your hard days. These body weight days sometimes are good days to try sprinting or interval training. And if you're running, if you're training for running, you actually probably shouldn't be running this much anyway. (laughs) Don't be running six days a week. You're going to get burnt. Running is such a repetitive activity that it's best if these two to three workouts are some form of cross training, like strength training or yoga. So it's best if you buffer your hardest workouts with either a full rest day, so one of those two full rest days, or one of the lighter, more moderate workout days. Okay, so I threw all that out there. What does that look like over the course of a normal week with our days plugged in? So for example, if your focus is on strength training or losing body fat, maybe getting really lean and you're in the best shape of your life, this is what your week might look like. On Monday, you would have a hard, heavy strength training workout. That would be a hard workout where you would feel like the overall intensity level of your workout is kind of in the, on a scale of one to 10, kind of up at seven, eight, nine, okay? Maybe even 10, a little bit, once a a month. On Tuesday, so the next day after that, this is just body weight conditioning. This could be sprinting, which is still body weight only. And then I would definitely plug in a bunch of extra active recovery work with this, like foam rolling, stretching, light activity. This could be 30 minutes. On Wednesday, so now we're on to Wednesday. We just had an easy day. Now we're back to some hard, heavy strength training, approximately an hour, maybe less. On Thursday, 
This is sometimes a really great day to have a completely off day, sometimes three days in a row, and then a day off is a great pattern. Sometimes this is another great day to do some yoga or some light stretching, foam rolling again, or maybe just go for a walk. On Friday, we can go ahead and do another heavy, hard strength training day. Okay, so so far in the week, we've had Monday, Wednesday, Friday, where we've gone pretty hard and heavy, and those were our hardest workouts of the week. We buffered those workouts with easy, light days or completely off days altogether. Now, on Saturday, if you do want to get another workout, maybe your fifth workout, body weight conditioning again, or lots of foam rolling, maybe even some sprinting, but pretty short, maybe 30 minutes. And then I definitely recommend that you take Sunday off completely. So that would be kind of a good example of what your balanced week should look like if your goal is to get stronger, to get in really, really good shape. Now that is for someone who has the capability of training five days a week. Okay, if you want to get in five workouts a week, that's the pattern that I would design for you. If you're still only able to do three workouts a week, but you still feel like your mind has that obsessive mentality on your off days. So let's say that you work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, your off days, you really, really need to practice just letting your mind be off and not feeling panicky that you're not doing something because your body really does need that rest and recovery so that when you get back to your hard workout, you can really give it your best shot. Let's look at what a good balanced week would look like for a endurance athlete or like a distance runner. So if you'd like to dial in your running capabilities, this is what I would recommend. So once again, we're kind of assume that over the course of the week, we're getting five or six workouts. We want three of these to be the hardest workouts that kind of have the most impact on our bodies. So on Monday, we're going to have Monday be kind of a medium length run at a moderate intensity, maybe one hour. So then the next day, we don't want to run again. Okay, we got to give your running muscles a chance to take a break. So this is a great day to do some total body strength training, maybe with some running specific exercises, but keeping the intensity pretty moderate for that so that you're saving your energy for the running. So that should be 30 minutes, maybe a little bit less. On Wednesday might be a good time to do a sprint training workout. What I love about sprinting for all my runners that I train is that it actually makes you faster and your body learns how to work more efficiently. So that's what's great about doing some sprint intervals with your distance running conditioning. Thursday, we're going to do some more total body strength training with some running specific exercises. So kind of similar to Tuesday. Friday might be a good day to have an off day. Maybe go for a walk, do some foam rolling, some stretching, but don't do more than that. Saturday for, I know a lot of moms, it's the best day to get in a long run if you're training for your half marathon or full marathon. So this should be your moderate intensity, kind of that slow, steady state. And then Sunday, make sure you take the day off or do some sort of restorative yoga, maybe go for a walk, more foam rolling, stretching. Basically, you're running Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. We're buffering that with off days and just some good strength training that's not super intense, okay? So the idea is that you're not going hard all the time. We're making it so that your highest priority workouts, the ones that you know your body needs to benefit from the most, those ones you're stepping into with the most energy and the most capacity, physical capacity, because we didn't do a super hard workout the day before. 
Now, I know some of you are curious about what my own week looks like, and this is what I do. So like I said, I actually no longer run because I kind of trashed my body with all that running in the years past. But sometimes as the weather improves and and I can get out there, I do like to sprint occasionally just because it's fun to feel fast. Okay, so this is how I line up my weeks. It's super simple. Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I usually spend 45 to 60 minutes doing some heavy strength training, something that's very metabolic, meaning that it makes my heart rate go really high. It feels very cardiovascular, but I'm pushing around a lot of heavy weights. Tuesday and Thursday, I usually do some form of yoga. Some days, if I'm feeling like I need to just stretch, I will do more of like a yin yoga, which is kind of slow holds. Not a lot of balancing poses or strong core poses. It's just kind of stretching. But I usually like one yoga a week where it pushes my limits a little bit. But that's still body weight only work. Sometimes I do an extra workout on Saturday. Sometimes this is maybe a live workout with the members in the Strong Mamas coaching group. Usually just 30 minutes. But on Saturday is a great day that I I do enjoy doing some extra kind of active recovery where I'm moving my body and using it, but it's not at super high intensity. And then Sunday, I always take it as an off day. Maybe I'll go for a walk or I'll hop on my foam roller if I'm sore, maybe some stretching, but really prioritizing, treating my muscles well and helping them recover well. So by Monday morning, I can hit it hard again. Basically, there's a lot of ebb and flow to it. You've got hard days buffered with light days so that when you do show up, like I said, to those hard days, you can hit it a little harder. And when I design programs for my clients or the members in the coaching program, I always make sure that the workouts don't last longer than an hour. And I put a pretty high priority on body weight work, especially body weight mobility work, just helping our bodies move the way they were designed to move. And I make sure to include a lot of foam rolling and stretching. Then I make sure that the hard workouts are actually really, really hard so that you feel like you're making a ton of progress on those days. It's the perfect balance of heavy and light. And anybody's body is going to beautifully hum and feel great in this type of environment. That's a great way to kind of pattern your week to kind of pull you back and help Remove that sense of obsession, that workout obsession where you feel like you're just all over the place and every time you show up, you're trying to go really, really hard and you're wondering why your body is breaking and falling apart. Let's just balance things out a little bit better. I I know I still catch myself drifting toward obsession from time to time. We all do. And sometimes I feel way too disappointed if I miss a workout, even though maybe four or five workouts already happened for the week and I missed one of them. But I have to catch my thoughts and say, no, 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 it's okay to miss a workout sometimes. It's okay to only get three this week or to only get four or five and to not panic or freak out if another one doesn't happen. You got to recognize it and remember that we need to be freed from this level of obsession, whether it's food obsession or workout obsession. And we have to learn the importance of balance that going hard is not always better. Usually better, what's better for your body is to not go hard. To go hard when it's appropriate, not all the time. Make sure that you have a really good plan in place. And if you follow it, you're gonna stay fit, you're gonna stay strong, and you probably won't be injured. Kind of circling back to my own story, when I stopped training so hard and so long, I 
I did lose all that weight (laughs) that I was hoping to get rid of. And my body was finally relaxed and in a more stress-reduced state. The workouts I was showing up to, I was recovered for them and I could push it harder in those particular workouts. And I was creating this balance and this flow that just felt so much better for my body. And I really encourage you to try to seek that type of rhythm out for you too. So let me just ask you, where are you at today, mom, with your workouts? Are you obsessed with working out? Are you obsessed with constantly feeling like you have to show up and you're a failure if you don't show up? Do you need to learn how to rest well? Do you need to create a purpose with each of your workouts and stop gravitating towards the hardest and the longest things that you can do? Can you walk away from a workout and say that was enough for today, even if it was just 10 minutes? Are you capable of doing that? Just remember that you're not impressing anyone by doing more. You're only damaging your body and making the rest of your workouts suffer, okay? Take some time. Really ask God to show you your true intentions with your workouts Are you idolizing your workouts? Are you idolizing your body? Are you putting so much devotion and thought into this that it's clouding your judgment? Don't forget, you guys, that there is so much more to life than this. If you are missing family time because you got to get your workout in, or if you are such a regular at the gym that you might as well get paid to be there, guys, we got to find balance here. That's not healthy. That's not good for you. And you're going to burn out pretty soon. Work on pursuing a balance of hard and easy. And you're probably going to discover that you have more freedom and peace and health, true health, in your body. Okay, guys, for the last couple weeks, we did not get to your questions that you have because we were kind of doing that Mythbusters series. So real quick, I want to tackle some questions that you guys have. Thank you so much once again for sending in your questions to me. I always love getting your questions about food, about fitness, and even about faith or motivation or mindset questions. Those are great too. So we've got two questions today. The first one is from Katie. She's asking, from your experience over the years, do you think tracking your macros or macronutrients is a good thing or not? Or do you think not tracking and learning how to eat intuitively is better? So I will just say it point blank. I believe that learning how to eat intuitively is beyond better than tracking your macros, okay? We got to go back and recognize that we've got different levels of eaters. We have beginner eaters and we've got intermediate eaters and we've got advanced eaters. Beginner eating or beginner level eating, that's intuitive eating, That is where you learn mindfulness. That is where you learn just the basic ground rules of healthy eating guidelines. You're not counting anything. You're not tracking anything, but you are paying attention to how foods make you feel and you keep the big picture, the big perspective in mind. You can look at your entire week at a glance and decide, is this splurge worth it? How would this splurge make me feel? And you kind of have that overall level of mindfulness with your food. You have to be good at that. Okay, before you go anywhere else, a lot of people will completely skip over that step and go straight to tracking macronutrients or counting macros or counting calories 
before they know anything about how those calories or those macronutrients makes their body feel. Usually, from my experience, being intuitive about your eating, if you do that well, most people never need to get to the point where they have to track their macros, okay? Start there. Occasionally, someone might need a little bit more guidance, a little bit more specific direction. If they've gotten good at, tr- at being an intuitive eater, the beginner eating, then maybe they're more of an advanced eater now or, or intermediate even, where they can pay attention to perhaps the, the grams of protein in every meal that they're eating or the, the overall grams of fat that they're eating over the course of the day or maybe even the grams of complex carbohydrates that they're trying to get in with each meal. Sometimes that's helpful. But if you don't start with the quality of the food that you're eating first and just with the mindfulness surrounding eating, the macronutrients aren't going to help you at all. So I definitely believe that eating intuitively is better than tracking anything. Okay, so we got to start there. Next question is from Rachel, and she says, I've already dropped some weight after having my three beautiful babies, and I'm down two sizes. Awesome. But I'm stuck on my love handles. Man, girl, I feel you on that one. And it's my biggest insecurity. What is the best way to get rid of them? So hopefully you listened to the Mythbusters episode on fitness where we talked about spot training or basically targeting trouble spots. And what I said there was that you can spot strengthen, meaning you can build up the strength of the individual muscles in a certain area of your body, but you cannot spot reduce or get rid of fat storage in a particular spot on your body. So chances are, if you're struggling with your love handles, that's probably your area where your own specific genetics prefers to store the majority of your fat stores. For some of us women, it's in the thighs or the arms or the belly. For some of us, it's in the love handles. And you it doesn't matter how many side bends or oblique crunches or side to side stuff you do that target that section, it's not going to get rid of your love handles, okay? So if you have this extra fat storage in that area that is driving you nuts, the best thing to do is pay attention to your eating habits. Make sure that you are being very honest about your consistency and about your self-discipline with your eating habits. And then make sure that your workouts are just like what we talked about today. They've got great balance. You are doing sufficient amount of workouts that you have a great amount of output or energy output and they're metabolically demanding so that it's requiring your body to oxidize and break down those extra fat stores that happen to be in the love handle region. We cannot do anything to tell our bodies get rid of the fat right in our love handles. Man, I wish that was possible, but other than liposuction, the only thing that we can do is just train our body overall do the things that we need to do for reducing fat storage in general, and just be really disciplined and consistent, and you will probably see them start to dwindle. And the last thing I want to say about it is maybe not. Maybe they don't go anywhere, and maybe you learn to love your body how it is, especially if you are healthy, if you're strong, and you can do all the things you want to do without any hesitations. You just still have these love handles that are there. And that, you know, sometimes we just got to be okay with that. 
kind of hard to come to grips with. <laughs> but hopefully that's helpful for you guys. And thanks again for joining me for this episode of the Strong Mamas podcast. I really want to help kind of break down those walls, notice where we're obsessed with working out, obsessed with our bodies, obsessed with food, and trying to apply more balance and moderation, even to those of us that do want to work out almost every day. That's okay. We just have to do it wisely and be more discerning and not freak out if it's not a super hard workout day. It's really okay. Don't forget, take a couple minutes to rate the show and write a quick review. I could possibly read your review on the show next time. Thanks again for doing that. And I hope you have a great rest of your day, friend. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. 